Welcome to The Land of Aru, a fan cast of Carcerum the Series, presented by the American Council for the Blind, Sunday edition with Anthony, and supported by Shane Salk Productions. Welcome, welcome, welcome to In the Land of Aru, a Carcerum fan cast. I am your host, Anthony Corona of Sunday Edition. I'm here as always with Shane Salk of Shane Salk Productions. How's it going, Shane? It's going well. Just staying awake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I caught some of the game show. um, And so that's sounded like a lot of fun. Did you get a lot of hits off of Comic-Con? I honestly, uh, we got a lot of interest. I haven't looked at our numbers, which seems silly. I probably should do that. But uh, the the reception we got was just outstanding. Awesome. So last week we left off with um, having met a guardian and the guardian telling us his story and the story of what seems to be Carcerum, though I have learned in this um well, this is episode 26, so I have learned in the 25 episodes never to count or discount anything. Ah. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> we are uh, we're about to run this episode, and then we're going to speak with Elia, who plays Istin. There we are. And I think after this episode, uh, we'll have a lot to talk about. Yes. All right, you ready to roll it? Let's roll it. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description. Well, that was, um, hmm, I feel a little weird talking to Olaya now. That <laughs> seems to be, <laughs> that seems to be the final end for Istin. Um, then again, as I said before, we listen to the episode, I've learned to never say never. That was a it was a rough episode all around, I'll tell you that. But you see some yeah. some amazing talent in that episode, I got to say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I and honestly, I really this was the first time that we saw Kevin really kind of you, you know take the man up position, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was really, really cool. And, and of course, Karis, you know, I've, I've got a soft spot for Karis. And, you know, every time you talked just, about every time you talked about Karis and at the very beginning, you know, episode 10, 11, we were talking about, you know, how you you were like, oh, I see a little bit more in Karis. I see a little bit more in Karis. I was always having this episode in my head every time you talked about him, because I was like, you just wait. You're going to see a lot more of that guy. Yeah, and it you know it, it had to be that way. Just you know the whole trope of writing, you know it 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 had to be Terrace that that pulls that final yeah you know trigger so to speak. So let's get let's get Elijah back into the conversation. Welcome back to In the Land of Aru. Hi, thank you so much, Anthony. Thanks for having me back. So the last time we spoke with you, um, the character you were playing was at that point still basically. Um, a douchebag <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it. Yes. But, um, wow. What a journey Istin took. What, um, you know, looking back on it now, the whole arc of it, what, you know, what do you take away from it? What do you, you know, what are the highlights and lowlights for you from, from Istin's journey? Yeah. You know, um, at the first time I was on, I really, I felt like I had to bite my tongue so many times because, Easton's arc is just it's such a huge lob uh, he goes from from uh, you know i'm not going to be able to put it any better than you did a douchebag <laughs> to i feel like somebody that uh is really is really loved and cherished and you can tell by the way you know after um uh, karis as you said squeezes the trigger and has to do what he has to do Everybody agrees to contribute to burying him and giving him a proper farewell, uh, uh, the right send off, you know? Um, so there, he went from kind of being despised to being loved and what an arc, what a, what a character to be able to play. I mean, in the, in the first place, you know, Istin, 
was so fun because he just, he's just pump and smash the whole thing and the, the talk and, and he can, and he can back up, he can back it up. He's got the skills to back it up. But what I liked, I think most is, you know, the more, um, the more he became uh, a part of the risen, the more human he became. He became, yeah. The more relatable, the more um, empathetic, and um, I, I I loved that because I mean it just it really goes to to credit the the writers and the creators of the show because it, the character was so rich and ripe and there was so much depth. You know, like um, I remember when we were recording um, Shane and Bill. They, episode to episode, they were very careful not to give me too much in terms of what's ultimately going to become of Istin and why and how. They always let, kept me in that kind of um, what's happening space, what's going on exactly. And they're like, you're, you're still you, you're you. But, you know, progressively, you're less and less you. And it was just a, it, it, how much fun to be able to play a character that goes way over the top and, um, and the fighting and all that to somebody who has to get really, really real at the end, coming to terms with their own mortality and, and just the horror, the sheer horror of essentially losing yourself. That's the real horror. I think that's what everybody's afraid of. The yeah. other side, you don't know. You don't know what it is. And to be kind of perpetually in that space that it's you the sheer horror for Istin, um, who's a strong, self-empowered, capable person, has to. That's kind of his final rite of passage. He has to overcome um, that fear, and and do what's right for the good of the company, and uh, and the overall you know arc of that journey. Um, but yeah, I just there's this moment where. Uh, Istin is in Karis's arms and uh, he's basically just saying, just don't leave me. Just please don't leave me. And, uh, and Karis doesn't. And I, there was this moment where I just remember, you know, Istin is kind of reverting back to a place in his childhood that he never had. He never had that security, um, that love and that um, somebody to be there and hold him through the hard times, which is, I think is what really contributes to making him who he who he becomes as we meet him at the beginning of the story. Yeah. And then we get to see him kind of come back around to um, a very vulnerable, scared, um, but ultimately courageous character. And for a character that, you know, was basically fading away. And, and I actually thought listening to the episode, you know, I, I, I wonder to a certain extent, is this, what folks that are falling into dementia or Alzheimer's, you mm. know, is this kind of apropos to what they're feeling? Mm. You know, they have those moments of clarity where they know this, yeah. you know, these things are happening only they don't have any memories of them happening. And so someone else is telling them this, this is what's going on. And, and, you know, in those moments where they have clarity of themselves, it must be horrifically scary. And, exactly. and yeah. mind blowingly, you know, can I say everything that I need to say before the fog comes and I'm, I'm not here again? Yeah. And it, I absolutely loved that he gave Karis what Karis needed before, mm. you know, mm. the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. I think they gave each other what they both needed ultimately, you know, and that's why there, there was this powerful bond between the two of them. This is why they were together. Yes, they bickered and yes, they all, all of that and everything in between, but they gave each other something that nobody else did. And that's why they were the duo that they were. So talk to me for a minute. What do you think, what do you think the, the change was between Istin and Kevin? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great um, evolution too. I mean, there's that part where, you know, Istin's sitting by himself out um out in the back and under a tree and he's just 
he's he knows he's losing himself and um you know kevin's like hey uh hey you want to you want to come in and uh and it's, it's like no i don't think they want me in there and and um and then you know kevin's like well i don't think they want you out here either just you know being kevin being kevin and then at the end it's you basically also have Istin being Istin, kind of just being calling the truth which is another thing i love about Istin's character he just can call the truth he, he, he as as ridiculous and um pompous as he may come across he calls the truth kind of in in, in the way you know the jester or something calls um the truth in a story Istin would just call the, the truth and um in calling it the dynamic between him and aura you know rubs a wrong chord for kevin and kevin goes back to thinking that basically Istin's an asshole so you you know you you got this moment where it's like yeah, they're both being themselves. Kevin's be Kevin. And Istin, you know, what well, there's losing himself. He's still being Istin. But there's this moment between them. And I think really you get this more from Kevin's side. It really kind of shines on Shane's performance, where you you see you see Kevin acknowledge um Istin as a person with feelings. Um yeah. And there's a beautiful, that's just a beautiful moment. You know, it's a beautiful moment. And it's, especially for a character like Kevin, who's just always kind of um, brash, to have the, these very subtle moments, that's difficult performance-wise to be able to go you know, in and out of that. Um, so, I mean, kudos to Shane for, for having the chops to do that. That's not easy on, on top of doing everything else he's doing. Um, it just allows you know, for a really tender, beautiful moment where you, you need to have moments like that so that a character like Istin can come, can turn the corner and going, go from kind of this easy to uh, hate, love to hate him kind of character to um, a tragic character who has hopes and dreams and desires and got a bad role themselves. And, uh, and that's just kind of how it goes, you know, and you, and then you feel this empathy for him that previously was kind of unavailable. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the fool a couple of seconds ago, and I, I honestly think throughout the arc, um, Aston and, and Kevin sort of traded off on the fool world. You know, some of the over the top Aston stuff was, was comical, but it was also grandstanding. It was, mm. you know, and, when when you look back at at everything that happened and you kind of go back, back to those moments you're like wait a minute was it all showboating or was it covering up something inside and mm. you know the betrayal of karis but those moments afterwards when karis called him on it you know if i go back and and re-listen to Istin there it's like wait a minute there was a little bit of an undertone that you know, I guess Shane and Bill were pulling out of you without giving you what the arc was. It was still there. I mean, they're geniuses. Yeah. So, you know, but do do you feel that way too? That you know, you kind of traded off playing the full role within the group with with the character of Kevin with Shane. I mean, for sure. I think traditionally he he actually plays kind of more that role, but but Istin absolutely did too, and. um yeah, you you have to have um, in order to have such a grand arc like that. You have to have you have to come in strong on one side or the other. And I think yes, there was grandstanding to to answer your question. But I think also if you're Istin, you have to believe in yourself. It's what got you out of yeah. a hard place and into an empowered place where he literally is a capable person. So I think that, yeah, he's grandstanding, but also he's got to believe it. He's got to believe his own hype. You got to believe your own lie in order to get along until you realize, until you get to a place where that no longer serves you and the people that you're with. And I think that that's what we see with this. And it, it all starts eroding the parts that, you know, he, that he wanted to, uh, the parts of the shiny parts of the armor that he wanted everyone to see that he spent so much time um, polishing and, and blustering up for everyone, there did come a time where um, you see through that crack 
in the armor. And, yeah. And he has to become more real. I mean, there's, there's that part you, you realize, you know, you hear Istin screaming, especially to Karis, like, help me. I help me. I need your help. Why, why, why won't you guys help me? And it's because, you know, he, he destroyed everyone's trust systematically throughout the story to this point. But that's when you begin to realize he, he, he doesn't have anything else now. Now that he's, you know, half of his faculty is gone and, be, and you know, turning kind of zombified, if you will, he's kind of reduced to his, um, his bare elements. And that is the most human side of him. So in fading out, he's actually getting the, the core of himself. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, that's why you kind of see him revert back to like this childhood place. I mean, this is how I see him, you know, he goes back to this, um, scared child. It's just, please, just please don't leave me. And Karis doesn't, and he doesn't. I think there was a, a moment where maybe it was Kevin. who's like, Hey, come on over here. And, and, uh, or maybe it was aura. Um, but, but, but Karis would not. He knew how important it was. Just like when um, when Istin first comes up, going help, help, because Istin never has never asked me for help. He must actually need it. So it's like Harrison, in his simplicity, saw the depth of um, the power of that relationship and that dynamic. And um, you know, I had a real connection to Karis, <clears throat> um, and we and we didn't record at the same time. You know. Another testament to the direction, but um, during the death, you know, there was uh, there was real emotion. It was real there. There were real tears, and it was it was really snot and everything coming out. And it was a real loss. It was, if, if, you know, it was really happening. And um, it, it, I did go back and and listen. You know, it, it, when it was happening, it. it um, it hurt. It hurts. It hurts. You know, if there's a, a real, there's something you, you actually kind of have to cut out and, and give. And, um, it, uh, I, to be able to have a, a chance to play a character like Istin, uh, like I haven't played some, something so rich and, and complex since, um, or before I got to play Istin. I think by far he's the most um, robust, uh, rich, and and um, and character with the most depth that I've played to date. And uh, so I just I have a lot of a lot of a lot of emotion and feeling uh, regarding the role, and uh, just a lot of gratitude for being able to um, to step into that character and step into that world and play and play with um, like how fun to be able to slash people's legs off and yeah. and capture wisps <laughs> and um and become a and be the chosen one for a while i yeah. mean you know that's that's heady to have you know whether it was true or not true to have that you know that power in in a role and then to be bested to be beat and then to be risen from the dead i, I mean you keep you know besides a soap opera or you know a sci-fi fantasy flick you don't really get to play characters that have that complete of an arc. Right. Um, that that's incredible, yeah. you know. And it boggles my mind that none of you were playing off of each other. You know, that absolutely goes to to the direction of of Bill and Shane. Um, and that's you know, we were talking something talked I about really want to. Sorry to jump in, but I really want to stress to the audience that's listening now to highlight the talent of these actors. Again, Karis and. Uh, and Istin, um, Elia and Carl were not anywhere near each other when recording. They didn't hear the other person's performance. They weren't playing off of each other in any way, which just goes to show like this scene that you just heard is that much more amazing. And this, these actors are that much more talented knowing that they were living this by themselves and all of the reactions they were doing were off of their own, you know, with direction and stuff. But it was they were playing in their own heads. And the amount of pain that takes to perform emotionally is quite challenging. And the, the skill that it takes to pull off is quite incredible. So just remember that. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hats off to, to you and Bill as well, because you had to give them enough to get them to that place. You know, the script is one thing, but, you know, knowing, you know, knowing what you're going to get out of Carl, out of, out of Dana, you know, and, and making sure I, I'm kind of curious, you know, in scenes like that, how many different takes do you actually have to do? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great, uh, a great point. And I don't know, Shane, if you want to answer, um, to no, that. No, I'd love but, you to answer it. Um, but this was, this was the really fun part, you know, because, um, Okay. So, you know, you give a, okay, you give a take and they've done a, a great job explaining up to this point, here's what's happening. Here are the moving parts. Here's where you come into it. And, and okay, from here, we're going to do, you know, you do an A take. Okay. Then, then they really started peeling that onion and, um, you can't just get to the depth of, a uh, a scene, I think like that, but just, you just go straight to the bottom. There was, there was, it was, it was an onion. It was, you know, we do a take and then we get deeper and then we get deeper. And, uh, and then Bill, um, and in between takes, you know, you got, you got that nice, that warm, silent pocket where Bill and Shane are working it out on the other side of the glass. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and then, you, you know, they come back in and they've worked out, you know, kind of systematically what is happening in the scene, who's who, what's where, what, where do we need to go? How's this going to affect the rest of the story and then drill in deeper. And, um, I, I remember Bill really, uh, really giving me a good, you know, that fatherly kind of shove off the edge of the cliff into the, uh, the dark, deep, um, part of the sea where you got to go to kind of do a scene like this. And, um, they were there. They were, you know, great directors will be, be there with you. They, they, they're going on the journey with you and they experience it with you. And that camaraderie gives you the, um, gives you the courage to, to go there. And, um, and, uh, especially Bill really, really did encourage. He said, I really want, he said, I really want you to go there, buddy. I need you to go all the way. And, um, you can't, you know, you got to have a certain amount of um, rapport and uh, a certain, a safe, a safe space to do that. And, um, um, you know, thankfully he, uh, we had that, we had established that. I mean, he's, he's my longtime mentor. And uh, so we've been, you know, we've been, been through the, our own highs and lows and we have, we have established a firm um, rapport that that facilitated that i think that kind of performance and um so i you know i give you got to give credit where credit's due i don't i think that um it's not just one person venturing into a cave to you know um to vanquish the dragon great great directors will go there with you and uh both bill and shane certainly did that i'm curious i you know i had the opportunity to speak with one of the soap opera great actresses um you know, right after she she filmed a, a an arc where her daughter on screen was murdered, and she opens the body bag and and doesn't want to believe, and she's screaming to her daughter to wake up. And you know, when we you know, when we went through that scene, kind of pace by pace, she ended up telling us, you know, how how much of a physical toll it actually takes scenes like that take on the body. You know, the body the acting actually convinces the body that, you know, you're in that moment, the body's experiencing it like the character's experiencing it, even though there's a part of her brain that's, you know, it's still Mora. It's not the character Ava, but the body is mm. living Ava. So, you know, the difference between battle scenes and scenes like this, you know, when, when you're finally done and, you know, it's a wrap and, and, and you walk out into the sunshine, you know, what is your, what does your body feel? Mm. That's a really astute question because, um, what does the body feel is a really, a really great way, great way to, um, to phrase that because, you know, so emotionally, you know, you have to go there and, um, and that takes, it's a certain amount of its own uh, energy. Um, and you know, ideally you want to be able to go there and then, sh and then, whoosh, and then come back and not just dwell and be stuck in 
the demise of such a huge, heavy scene, whatever it is, um, you just don't want to be, you just don't want to live the rest of your, your day there. But, um, I found there was physically, it was invigorating. I was, I was, um, alive and ready, ready to go. I felt, you know, my, my atoms, my, on a cellular level were charged. I just felt full and rich and, and fat and, and, and wanted to just, and just relishing and being alive and being able to do this, the, the, the love for doing it, it. Um, it's why I do it. It's why, it's why you, it's why one would want to do it and getting a role like this. You just, it just, you know, like a pig, just rolling around in the mud, just having a great time. Um, but my mind is tired. It, it's tired. It's, um, I feel, I'm just like, oh, you know, my body is great emotionally. I've, you know, you've gone through stuff and I can feel the mind. You get out into the day and it's like, the mind is like, okay. You know, if you, you, you have a, a feeling of, I left it all on the table. I, I gave everything. And, um, and, and kind of simultaneously, when you do that, you don't always really remember what you did or how you did it because it was, because it was an emotional, um, yeah. an event in lots of times you just don't remember. Um, and which is another reason you need a good director there to kind of help, uh, guide and craft and form that raw energy. Um, but th that's kind of my experience, especially after playing, um, like, like this scene with Isden. How about the battle scenes? You know, do you, do you walk out into the sunshine going, you know, I can take the basketball court or I can dance all night, you know, oh, give me man. a cocktail and, and a dance floor and I'm good to go. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> though like those are a different thing because those are very physical and um i mean i love the i love physical acting and i love um getting in there and really really do, doing it because i think you know the um when you physically engage it affects your performance of course and uh like if you're swinging a sword this way it's going to um form your diaphragm and your lungs and your vocal uh, chain it's going to affect all that versus if you're you know throwing your hands up in the air or um or you're reaching them out for a big hug it, it affects the the set so if you can literally physically do that i just think it makes for a more believable performance and so um because i love swinging swords and diving and all that stuff i just had a great time with uh with the with the fight scenes you know they we'd go in and we'd it would we'd, we'd uh would choreograph it okay you're over here and they're over here one's here and one's here and you got this wall behind you and and they're gonna come charging at you like this and you're gonna roll and then you're gonna come up and slash this way and then that way and then you're gonna parry and then strike <laughs> and uh, you know go okay go over my head we got here we're gonna move fair and got parent strike and um and you know that's like a small microcosm to kind of how they did the whole thing i mean that's why you get that spatial awareness when you're just walking along with them and you hear somebody talk over there or somebody's over there in that distance or somebody's right here and um the sound design just creates that kind of four-dimensional world um, but i love i mean i love that i that's i grew up doing playing like that you know being um you know, now we're going to be Navy, uh, Navy SEALs that go AWOL or we're futuristic cops, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we'd always, and we'd, we'd do that in front of a camera or we'd also make our own little, um, uh, radio plays too. So it's deep in my, in my blood and I just love doing it. So when I have a chance to go in and, um, and play with some of the best with just an amazing, um, piece of copy, in an incredible story, it's just, it's a, it's a dream come true. Yeah. You know, we've gotten a few emails over the course of, of airing it this way that have asked, you know, was this, was this a show that had visuals that was, you know, retooled as a podcast? And it's like, no, this is a world that was created specifically for, you, you know, for this type of medium for, for, and this story was built the world was built, the sound was built. It was, it was all built so that we create our own world in our head while you incredible actors are giving us, you know, giving us the material to create our own fantasy worlds in our own head. 
Yeah, I think it's at this, along the same lines as, you know, if you go, you take a, um, a book and make a movie from it. Everybody always says the movie's just never as good because, because you- The movie in because, your head, yeah. Because your imagination can't be bested. What yeah. you can come up with is like, is, is, is personal and relatable to you. That's why I love this medium. It's, so, it's just amazing. And, uh, you know, all you have to do is as a performer is be honest, is be real, is be truthful, be grounded in the moment and speak your truth. And that's what makes it relatable. And if you could do that, then, um, then you can believe the, um, the monsters are real and the zombies are real and the, the there's magic and. I mean, I just, you know, all those things are allegories anyways. We have those in our lives anyways. It's just they, they play out as different, um, as different things at different times. But your imagination, it, it can't be bested. There's, there's nothing more rife and vital than what you're able to come up with. So going back to, to tonight's episode, you know, <clears throat> first, I, I absolutely have to say the episode belongs to, to you and Shane. Um, you know, in the various pieces, the, the, um, exchange between Aura and Kevin, um, <clears throat> where she's telling him, you know, I need you to go. Mm -hmm. Um, what a great, great scene, mm -hmm. the yeah. little, you know, the little vignette between, between Istin and Shane. And then of course the, the playing between, um, Istin and, and Karis and, mm. you know, Formosa is obviously you can tell, you know, sh she's hanging on every moment because she mm. cares, mm. you know, you've got Elizabeth who is, I, I guess, kind of like the, the straight faced comic foil, <laughs> um, you know, she's there, she's feeling it, but she's also practical and, and giving us that, that little relief from, from, you know, tears actually, you know, streaming down our faces. Yeah. But um, without a doubt, this was, this episode belongs to the two of you. So when you first heard it after all was said and done, I, I can only imagine, you know, you must've said something to the effect of, Oh my God, you know, it's, it, they went mm -hmm. e even further than I could have possibly imagined Run, you know, running these lines and doing these lines and pulling it all out. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, you know, lots of times when you have an emotional scene or, um, or event, you, you don't remember it in, with specificity be, just because of the nature of how emotional it was. That's just kind of how it works. And so I didn't remember, I, you know, I remember it was emotional, but I didn't remember the specific beats and, um, and Bill had actually texted me while he and Shane were cutting it together. He's like, buddy, we're, we're cutting it together and it sounds great. And I was like, okay, great. I'm, you know, I'm always glad to hear that, but I didn't know that. Um, he later told me that, you know, he, he would get teary when they were cutting it together because it triggered it, it, it just the synergy with, between him and, um, and Karis really, really just, um, sapped out that, that loss we can all, we all know what that's like. Um, you know, <clears throat> like I, you know, uh, I just, I lost three family members kind of in the span of a week about a month ago. And, um, um, aunts and uncles, uh, but you know, you're just never prepared for it. Even if you think you're prepared, you're just not. And it, it emulates this, the human, um, the human, loss of, of, uh, of any loved one. It's just, it's difficult to cope with. And, um, but it's life, right? We, we, it's all coming to us, um, regardless of who we are or where we are in the world or our position in it, we will all experience that. And, um, that's why I think if you have a believable, um, grounded, honest performance, it's going to reach, it's going to reach people because everybody knows what it's like to hurt. Everybody knows what it's like to lose uh, to whatever various wow. degree it is. It's, it's personal. And, um, <clears throat> so when I finally did get a chance to kind of hear, uh, the final, you know, the final cut, it was emotional for me. And, you know, I heard it and I was like, Oh man, it got brought me back. It brought me right back. And I was like, um, even now, you know, just, just now I like, it makes me hearing it. It makes me like, oh, oh man, it's, it's, um, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's a lot, but, but 
there's something about having that uh, reset, being confronted with loss. It makes life sweeter. It makes the relationships that you have more important. You realize the value of them. You know, um, hug the ones you love and um, love the ones you're with. Those come from somewhere. They come. They come because of a reason. It's it's um, it's a real thing. Lived experience. Yeah. And if if we all if we all kind of have that universal experience, I think that that's that's the the power that can come from these moments. You you know, if all you eat is sugar, <laughs> you you'll you'll eventually get sick of it. But if in the absence of that, uh, by the time you actually have something sweet again, it's that much sweeter, you know, and you don't need as much of it. It just becomes there's a balance that happens, and um, you know, I'm also I also have to say I'm I'm proud to kind of play the um, uh, the, that rogue, um, you know, the, what do they call it? The rogue, um, stereotype, the, the play cast, the Han Solo, you got to die. You got, somebody's got to die <laughs> yeah. and you don't have a good story unless somebody dies. But if somebody who you don't care about dies, it doesn't matter, which is why I think yeah. it's so great that ultimately, uh, Istin was accepted by the group. Because they didn't like him and they had reason not to like him. Each and every one. You dug each and every one, you know, he, he earned that reputation. So how cool to be able to um, have everybody soften towards him, even like, uh, you know, Kevin under the tree and have that real moment. And um, you just, it just makes you reflect back on, on your own life and, and real stuff and realizing it is these small little moments, you know, that you'll look back and go, I really feel, felt the essence of that person. And that's what makes life go around. That's what makes life precious. That's what, it's what makes us, um, it makes us all turn. Yeah. And, and the character development for all the characters really, but, you know, taking Eston, um, you know, as, as point of clarity, the character development was incredible because, you know, there were, there were foreshadowing moments of, the grandstanding and the, the betrayal that was to come when they were in the forest before they ever got to the tournament. Mm. There were shades of Istin, you know, Istin being vested in, in those moments. Um, I don't know if they were tents or if they were actual buildings, but right before, uh, you know, right after they get into the tournament and they meet Istin again, you know, and then afterwards foreshadowing for, you know, the relationship that always was, but we didn't, hear it, see it up until, you know, up until that point of the relationship between Estin and Kara, you know, and Karis, I, I remember, you know, after the betrayal and, and the, the conversation almost fight that they had, the undertone of Karis's love was, was there. It was on the surface, but Estin was pissed because he actually cared. We, mm-hmm. you know, we probably, you know, I'm seeing it, you know, hindsight is 2020. I'm seeing it looking back, but I started to feel differently again. And I had already felt differently about this since twice or three times at that point, mm. but I started to feel differently about him again. And, you know, PS two episodes later, you know, I'm, I'm getting the nugget that was dropped in that, in that scene, I'm getting, you know, the, the flourishing of that, of that nugget two episodes later the character development the story development is just absolutely yeah. incredible yes it is you can tell that um i do have the same thing i'll go back and listen to you know a word a, a line will be dropped and i'll be like oh oh wow you know they started turning mm-hmm. the ship around way back there mm, wow this was this is very well thought out uh, because you know recording i i really only had one window into the world and that was instance um you know, I just got, um, the scenes that I was in and it, sometimes they would have to explain, okay, you know, um, here's what's happened. And or this, this transpired prior to you, you coming to the scene. So you maybe you might have to get something like that uh, worked out or explained to you, but by and large, I, I for sure did not have nearly the scope of, uh, the total volume <laughs> that, that the story is. Um, so going in and listening to it, it also was just a trip for me, you know, um, uh, 
some you know, some some people are friends some people i um uh i look up to that were you know cast um and just just to um kind of live through their performances and just uh breathe it in it's it's it really is a fun story like i i go back and listen to it all the time you know even you know even in the in the death scene you know i heard Iston telling Karis he loved him, but he doesn't say it. He gives him everything but the words, yeah. but it's more meaningful. And, and it's, and it's true to the arc of the character. If it, you know, if Iston had started sobbing and I've always loved you or, or any of that, you know, it would have been over the top. It, it would have taken, it would have taken the emotion that we were feeling in that moment and mm. turned it back off because yeah. it would have been too much, too much. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's not uh, congruent with the character of who Iston is. He's just been proud and can do and and pious the whole time, you know. And then, so he, so either if he, if that if he completely breaks down, then he is a sham. That he you know he was just cooking up a good story because he's just weak. But yeah. if there's a, a, a actual kernel to him, which is that he is strong, he has survived. Um. You see that in his final choice of, look, I, you know, I can't hold on anymore. I'm going to, I, by, by going to betray nature, you. Yeah. yeah, yes, by nature of what's happening, I'm going to turn you in. And you have, and and so he knows for he has to go for the good of the company, and I think that's what makes everybody realize that Istin wasn't in it just for him, even though he believed he's the one. He's not in it just for him. He wants to see, he wants to see everybody succeed rather than just his own personal victory. So I know we've got a couple of episodes left and, and I'm not looking at this as a spoiler alert. You know, they've surprised us. I know they're going to surprise us again, but in those final moments, did it, do you think Aston believed that or is the one? Hmm. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I have my own personal views on it, but in terms of Istin's perspective, I think that what he finally did realize, um, and I don't want to, you know, I they, there are some more episodes left, so I don't want to give everything away, but he realized he's not who he thought he was. And uh, because he can't, this, he's always been able to overcome. He's always been able to to climb out. Always been able able to you know come out on top. And um, he would just you you bring somebody down to their knees. In this case, mentally and physic, uh, mentally and emotionally for him. And you realize, I'm, I'm not going to make it. You know. Um, I think that he knew that there was also a special thing between. Um, the dynamic between Kevin and Aura and, and how that and how they're, you know, the um, kind of the fusion that happens between them uh, f pushes the story forward, creates the uh, spurns the narrative uh, on. And that's why, you know, uh, Yistin calls it out, calls it, tells um, Kevin to just gives him the, the, the truth, you know harsh yeah. as it may be in Iston's way but you know i don't know i don't know if uh, if i can answer your question in um in totality because i haven't i haven't thought about that i haven't thought about what Iston thought at that moment about uh about aura um but i do think that he you knew that the company was the future and she was kind of you know the leader of the company um and that they needed to, to continue on. Do you think Formosa will be able to hold Karis together? Well, I mean, Formosa is formidable and she has a, a strength that, I mean, she's kind of besides the, um, the brute raw strength of Karis, she's kind of the, um, you know, like the, the morale of the, um, uh, mm, of the company that's a she, good way to put it yeah she keeps them together you, you know you know she's the one who's kind of um carries that that bottom load um 
so yeah, like I think, and somehow she's, they, they've got a special dynamic too, you know, like he's trying to get her out of the, of the, the place and get her out and meeting, engaging with people again. And they help each other. It's the same kind of symbiotic thing. So I think if anybody has that to, to help, um, cares with that, it's, it's Formosa. So let's switch, let's switch, um, topics for a little bit. You know, this is episode 26. We've got a really good arc. So Aston, a great character to play. I, I don't think I would have chosen anything over it except possibly Kevin. But, um, if hmm. you, you know, if you could play any of the other roles, what, what's another one that would have excited you to play? Hmm. Oh man. Um, who would I've liked to have played? Um, well, Maurice LaMarche's character of just kind of orating the the games. <laughs> when I was going back and listening to that, it's like, that would be really fun. You know, being able to talk like this and talking to everybody. I was like, that would be a really fun role. Um, Bob Bergen's role is real funny, but I'm, I, I don't, I would never have been able to do that. It's, I'm not the right, uh, I'm not the right actor for that, but I did really enjoy that role. Um, Warloff, I think, I, yeah, I think Warloff, I yeah, yeah, I think I would like that, yeah. Uh, and I think you would have done. I mean, Neil is amazing, um, but I think you would have done a, a really good, <coughs> excuse yeah. me, a really good job with Warloff as well. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it better than Neil, but I would, but that just seems like a fun role to do, and uh, um, it would stretch a different kind, different side of me, you know. Um, so that, yeah, that would be fun. So. What are you, is there anything you can tease us that you're working on now? Yeah. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff coming out and, uh, I don't know since I don't know if I should be talking about it. I probably can't, but there's a lot of video games. There's a lot of anime, there's some animation. Um, and, uh, there's one other podcast that's, that's, that's in, that's in the cookie, in the cooker, if you will. <clears throat> but I mean, um, you know, I post them when I can on the socials. I'm not the most active on the socials. I, I prefer to get out into the sun, into the world rather than post, but that's just me. Um, but I do try to post, you know, when stuff comes out and uh, when I'm in and what I'm doing. Um, and it's been a busy last month. Um, so there's, I'm looking forward to some, some fun stuff coming out. I get to play all different kinds of characters. Um, some real sleazy, some real proper. Um, some, you know, some guys are um, like I'm the uh, the uh, CEO of a certain corporation and he talks to his employees like this. I just it, being able to play um, different characters is so much fun. But I just there's there's no more character that I feel like I resonated uh, most immediate with and just had the depth and the rich, gooey um, base to to get into like Istin. Um there just isn't, there just aren't roles out there like that, you know? And, um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know if ever there will be another one that, that I just love, loved to play as much as I did with this. And I hope there is because, you know, otherwise I, um, crescendoed early as they say, <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, because it, because it just was a joy. I mean, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of, a lot of, but I can go back and listen to it and be like, oh, this is fun. And I love the world and I love the other actors. And, um, you know, it, something I can just put on at any time, be like, oh, yeah, oh, this is a great episode. I'll listen to this and and go in, and be marveled by like listening to Shane's performance and then going, and I know that Shane basically put this together, you know, at the same time. I'm like, it's incredible to be able to wear multiple hats like that at the same time. I don't know anybody else who can do that. You know, Shane, if you don't mind me dragging you into this conversation, um, how difficult was it for you to play in the Kevin world, knowing all that you knew about the world, about, you know, about Oro, about all that was being created? Was it, you know, difficult for you to turn off the director brain to just act the Kevin brain? Um, it... It, it that's kind of two different questions in my head um because i knew the whole script and i know what ideas i have for season two and stuff um it 
theoretically could be difficult to go, but don't play that stuff in three episodes. Play what you're playing now. Um, but I will think because I was so tired and because I was doing so many things, I couldn't think that far ahead in many ways. So um, I'm a very, when I'm acting, I'm very much trying to play the moments that's at hand. There are some actresses that says, I don't want to know what happens in the next scene. I just need to know this scene. Um, I, I'm able to, I love doing script analysis. So I love taking all these scenes and figuring out who this person is and then playing that person in the moment. Um, and that's one of my favorite things to do as an actor. Um, there were definitely times when I was hoping when we were starting this process that I would be able to go, okay, I'm going to just take, you know, I'm going to take the hour before we record Kevin and just kind of, you know, be with myself and do the thing. And that didn't happen very often. Um, I was either setting up microphones or we had just recorded somebody or something like that. So there was definitely um, sometimes a struggle to turn off it, it, less of the director brain and more of the editor brain because I'm sitting here going, okay, so this is what maybe like the visions that I'm seeing as I'm acting the, the pictures I'm seeing in my head, I'm like, okay, so this is how I can do this. And then having it create sound to make it happen. Sort of. But then I would have Bill or other people um, who have a different vision in their head. So when I would get direction that wasn't based on oh. you know, a physical, a physical change of environment, or if I don't, if they're like, Oh, we'll do it this way. And I'm like, but I don't see that. I'm because I have such a clear picture of of the environment and what everything looks like and where people are coming from because I have been living in it for so long it could it could be very challenging for me to understand maybe what what somebody else was saying if they weren't almost spelling it out for me um, which is not necessarily a great thing to do with an actor because you want the actors to come with their ideas and take your direction and go, oh, okay, I get what you're saying, and then do their own thing. Um, but I definitely think I struggled a little bit sometimes with with um, small, smaller directions where it's like, you know, just be more Shane. I would get that sometimes. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Um, if, you know, you say it to, you know, you say it to Aliyah, if I'm like, you know, be more Aliyah, you know, it, it can mean something. It Sometimes it can. It means you're you're trying whatever. But <laughs> when I have a very clear picture in my head of exactly what's happening and somebody else has an idea. And again, none of the sound effects are there. <laughs> they're they're designing the sounds in their own head. And so because I was so close to it, it wasn't hard to jump into Kevin. It was sometimes hard to modify my performance based on a scene that I couldn't see right away. So it took me a little bit longer to um, sort of get out of your own direction in a way. I think that, and I was very tired. It was in the middle of the pandemic. All of these other things were contributing factors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're totally. like, none of this is ideal. And, um, and you know, you have this weight of, of this thing, you know, I moved across the country to do it. And so, but like Aliyah was saying is like the, the thing that I could always fall back on every single time was that I knew that every single person that we were working with who had their hands on this in one way or another um, was talented and wanted this whole thing to succeed and um, it was never not once did I ever think anything was about ego so if somebody's giving me a direction and I don't think that direction's great if we get into an argument about it um, or if we're arguing with an actor or, or a designer or, a, you know, and when I say argue, I really mean just discussions. Um, it's not you're never fighting with somebody who thinks, well, I need to win this argument because my ego is in check. My ego is is what's driving this decision. It's really you're having a conversation because two people truly believe that their idea is what's better for the project. Um, and that's actually very, very important to me and to Bill and I think creates better art because 
Even today, people will ask me, well, which writer wrote this thing? And I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you. There's very, very few things that I can tell you, oh, I know that writer wrote this, or I know that writer wrote that, or I know I wrote mm. this or didn't write that. Some other people are different, but I also say it every, you know, when people ask those things, aside from the fact that I don't know, or even the same thing, it's like, well, oh, did the actor come up with that, or did you guys direct him into that? And I genuinely don't know and genuinely believe that it's a total collaboration and you know 80% of it's the actor anyway so and I don't believe it matters I believe that yeah. you know when somebody asks that I go look it's it's all of us we all get credit for every single thing and that's the only way I want it to happen I really don't I don't want to sit there and nitpick these things I don't want to live my life that way I don't want to believe that you have to, you know, take credit for this and that and this and that and this and that to get ahead um, on to the next project. It's just too exhausting. And if that's what it takes, I'm kind of going to be screwed, to be honest with you. <laughs> and to add on to that, um, I, you know how it takes um, it takes everybody to kind of create what it is. I remember coming in and I knew, you know, who was... Um, who was attached to it, who, who the actors were. And I just, uh, they have a whole roster of um, amazing talent. So I'm, I'm already feeling humbled coming into the project, but I could sense this momentum that um, the chain's describing. You, you come in and there is creation happening, you know, formation of planets and stars and galaxies and solar systems. And it, you can see like, like, form emerge from from just smog and the more it comes together the more there's this uh, momentum moving forward of excitement of the creation and and you know he's, he's everybody's tired nobody more than shane and bill but everybody's tired everybody's trying to make it happen and yet this uh this this overwhelming creative process is infectious and and you can feel it when you come in and it makes you want to just give your best what have you what have you learned that you're going to take to roles going forward oh i mean like i for this what we're just talking about right now like i know uh i'll know if i've gone there <laughs> gone there or not or kind of what um because i i, I remember what it feels like um in the scene and then afterwards what it was like to have just kind of just given it all out there and um and and to be able to know how to recognize what a great project looks like just on paper even just reading yeah my scenes getting ready for this i could tell it just was like this is just it's just crafted so well it's the tapestry you can see the this like you know they say you you, you can't see the 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 seams or the lines you just feel characters and moments and emotions. And this is before anything, just reading it. So I, you know, I feel like I've, I've been able to come away being like, oh, this is a great, could be a great project. Uh, the people that put their time and energy in this care enough to make sure that um, the script really is the backbone. And you look at, you look to that for, okay, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? What needs to be done? What has to happen in, in order for this story to continue forward? So there's, there's definitely a sense of that. And, and I feel like, um, <clears throat> it has reinvigorated the, you know, why I got into this, why yeah. I want to do it, why I spent the years of just endless thrashing and slogging on trying to figure out how to give the best performances, um, because when you get some, to something like this, it's su it's such a joy, and it just keeps giving back. It just keeps giving back, and it, it gives me energy to just keep going and and want to do more and want to do better and want to work uh, with everybody again and I just want to do my best. It just inspires me to just want to do more. Nice. So let me ask you this, you know, that that young Elijah that was making movies with his friends and, you know, experiencing and experimenting. 
if he had stumbled upon car serum what what do you think his reaction would have been and 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 you know would that have been would car serum have become a lifelong like go-to for him oh oh yeah i mean i was already all over princess bride and you know star wars which is you know a the space ballad fantasy kind of same same sort of hero's journey um yeah. you know <clears throat> um oh i would have been all over it uh and i think i probably i think if i had it was able to discover something like this i think it actually probably would have spurned me on in the beginning to be like um you you could this would be something you could do voices is a thing that people do I didn't come to that realization until much, much later, definitely until I was an adult where it's like, people do this for a living. If you can do it, people will pay you to do it. And, um, I think that if I had heard something like this, cause I would, we would do our own radio stuff. We would do our little things. And I had heard, uh, there were other ones that I had heard, but I just never put together, um, and I kind of thought they were clunky, honestly, like the ones I had heard. They, yeah. they were, they were two dimensional. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't, they, they, I just felt like, I was like, this is just like, this is olden time radio. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in it. I'm, I want lasers and I want arrows and I want explosions and I want monsters. And, you know, um, I, if I had been able to discover something like this, I think I would, it would have just opened up doors for me to, um, because the earliest thing I can remember is I wa I kind of grew up on the animated version of the Hobbit by um, Bass and Rankin. Mm. And, and it was, uh, it, it was kind of scary. They were, it wasn't like, yay, the Hobbit. It was like, Oh, the Hobbit. And Gollum was terrifying and smog was horrific. And um, <clears throat> it was just, it was, it that showed me like i was like oh wow and even then i didn't put together like but those are those are just actors doing their thing i feel like yeah. if i would had been if it had been confined to something i could just hear i think it just would have opened up my world to like um one to just continuing that imagine the imaginative world building that's all important in um especially VO, because, you know, oftentimes you kind of just have a sterile booth. You have to create everything. You have to see it, smell it, leave it, breathe it. Especially it. during COVID, because we wiped those things down like nobody's <laughs> business. <laughs> Extra sterile. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so you're, you're smelling Clorox, but you're trying, you know, you're supposed to be out in the woods catching exactly. a whisk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, should, I, should my throat be burning? Shh, no, that's part of it. Uh, but yeah, I, and you I, know, it would have been amazing. No, if I had that. Yeah. And honestly, you know, this is the first time I'm, I'm admitting it on this, but I, I've kind of in the back of my head been waiting for a moment where the world, you know, that Shane and Bill and, and, and the, you know, the audio engineers created where it slips, you know, I, I've been waiting for a moment where the dialogue or something overtakes and it just hasn't happened in mm. every single episode. <laughs> the layers upon layers upon yeah. layers, you know, a twig snapping in the background. Yeah. All of the things, you know, and I've been, I really have been waiting. Not that I was going to point it out on this show or anything, but, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I, you know, I want to mm -hmm. feel that moment where it slides back into two-dimensional. And, yeah. and it never has. You yeah. know, the, the detail to just every single piece of the world is, is incredible. Yeah, it's unwavering and it it just keeps pace with itself. And again, that's testament to just the the sheer stamina it would take to to weave this tapestry together. You know, my God. All right. Well, let me ask you to give our listeners um whatever socials you do have, if you want to point them in any directions. Oh yeah. Um well my Insta is my name, Eli Mountjoy, and my just Twitter. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's E L I A H M O U N T J O Y. It's uh it's like Mount Everest, only Mount Joy, but it's one word and it's not my poor name. It's actually my given name. Everybody's always asking. Like, was that your, awesome. that your performance name? <laughs> well, yes, in a manner of speaking, it is. Um, but when I say it's like Mount Everest, it's only Mount Joy, it's like, oh, okay. 
So where do you get a name like that? I, I guess you got to be born with it. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So Elia Mountjoy, that's, that's pretty much what it is on my Twitter and my Insta. And those are really, I'm not on TikTok. I just, I know it makes me such an old man, but I just can't. I just, I, I already think about, it. I'm on Facebook also, but like uh, Insta and Twitter, probably the ones I'm, I'm most, um, you know, active on. But I just, when I think about trying to take on more social media, I'm just like, I just don't have it. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have it in my soul and I'm not going to dredge it up. So uh, Insta and Twitter are the ones to uh, get in touch with me if you feel so inclined. Awesome. Last question. If there is a season two, which it looks like there is going to be, and they are so inclined to write a character for you, what would you like to play in season two? Oh, man. I mean, if they if they offered me something, I'd say, you know, I thank you so much. I'm so uh, I'm thrilled. But I, I, I died. Istan died. He's not, he's dead. <laughs> and I don't know, like, unless I did, did some, some character like this and you didn't understand, you know, um, but I feel like, uh, you know, I, uh, Istan died that, and I, again, I feel like I'm, I'm like, yeah, I was the guy who got to die. It's what makes it a good story. Um, it's what, it's what is that final stamp. I mean, it's a fantastic story, but you can't have an awesome story unless somebody beloved dies. And, um, you never know. There could uh, so, be a prequel, though. This, the, this, <laughs> the, the Istin Karras combo. Mm, well, then that would be something I would uh, definitely consider because, uh, yeah, that would that would be yeah the the dynamic between um, Karras. Like, how did that come to be? I mean, we told we heard the story, but how did it actually happen? Mm, or <laughs> now, what about you know? There's a a moment of a balance between life and death. You know that old soap opera trope. Would would mm. it, would Istin come back as a ghost? to help move the story in some way i guess it's you know it's possible like you said anything is possible and, <laughs> you know it, especially with Istin, you can you can just never count him out he's always coming back around and i like that so <laughs> with everything that's been going on work life personal life thank you so much for taking another hour to spend with us this has been really great Oh, it's my pleasure, Anthony. And I, I like, I just love living through these moments again. So um, thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Shane, we'll be back next week with another great episode, right? Thanks, Shane. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description or search Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is a recording of a live show presented by the American Council for the Blind and Sunday Edition with Anthony. If you would like to be part of the live show, please follow at Carcerum the Series on social media or join the ACB mailing list by sending an email to community at acb.org. Also, be sure to check out the podcast Sunday Edition with Anthony on your favorite podcasting platform. For more information about Carcerum, go to carcerumtheseries.com.